0: church we are in the book of exodus find chapter 13 if you would so good to see you this morning and i've got some really important news for you that will begin in march so we're going to be changing our sunday structure a bit beginning the first sunday in march Uh, so we'll uh, talk about it all through february all right here's the changes first We are going to be starting an 8 a.m. Bible Fellowship class uh, on the first Sunday of March. It will be meeting in the mirror room. It will be uh, Bible study, prayer, fellowship, good discussion. If you need a care group, a small group, that our current ones aren't fitting your schedule, this would count. You can use this as your small group ministry and fellowship time. Uh, If you already have a care group, you just want to come early and uh, dig into some Bible study, come on. Uh, You're invited. 8 a.m. And that will start on uh, March the 5th. Secondly, for not so much for you guys, but we're going to be moving the uh, first service to 9.15 to allow some transition between uh, the fellowship time and the first service. So uh, it won't be 9 a.m. It'll be 9.15 starting in March. Most folks come around that time anyway, so I think it'll fit better for them. And, and then we'll have a little bit smaller time between the services. Again, we would love for you guys to come early. A lot of our first service uh, church family stays for coffee and fellowship. It'd be great if you guys came early, had some coffee with us, and just hung out and enjoyed some time together, get to know folks before this service, all right? So that'll happen. We're gonna be adding on Sunday morning a third through fifth grade Sunday school class, so i still ironing out the details. That's coming third through fifth grade. And then the other big thing is um, on Sunday nights we have a great uh, program for our kids and for our students. We're gonna be adding something for adults at 6 p.m. Uh, we're reclaiming the fireside room now that the food pantry is fully moved over to the office building in the basement. So, in that room, uh, we'll be having some Bible discussions. We're going to be doing some one-off topics on uh, Christian life, important theological concepts, and just how, how we live out our faith, and uh, times of prayer. So, we're going to have some adult fellowship time, coffee and conversation type time on Sunday nights, 6 p.m. in that room. And uh, we'll repeat that a bunch so you'll get it. But I want to give you a heads up on on all of those important uh, upcoming announcements. All right, let's talk about our deliverance this morning. We're going to be looking at which may be the greatest story or greatest event in the Old Testament, the story of the Exodus. So I had the privilege Oh, five or six years ago to travel to uh, Egypt to visit with our team there. And uh, we took some time and went and saw the pyramids. Pretty impressive. And then we all went to the Red Sea for just a day of prayer and Bible study and, and, uh, and some fellowship. And so I was super excited about that because I've always you know, thought about what would that be like to be on the shore of the Red Sea. And so sure enough, I made my way down to the shore of the Red Sea. And the first thing I did is I looked and I wondered, could I see across the thing? And I could not. It was pretty massive. All I saw was water and, 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 uh, and I couldn't see the shore on the other end. And so I right, that checked that box, because I wondered, could you see the other side if you were an Israelite during the time of the Exodus? Well, then, uh, now that I knew I couldn't see the other side, I looked back, and behind me, not too far, were these, these small mountains, kind of these sand hills that just kind of hovered, you know, between the water and the shore. So then I began to imagine, what would it have been like if I was an Israelite, and I had just left Egypt. And all of a sudden, pouring over these sand mountains was Pharaoh's army with their chariots and horses and swords. And then I began to honestly think, would my faith be strong enough to believe that God would deliver me from this? Because all I've ever known would have been that I'm oppressed. I'm a servant to Pharaoh. I'm a slave. And, and I wondered if if I would have really felt that the Lord could deliver me, which really is the big question that I have for you this morning is is your deliverance. What do you need to be delivered from today? And is your faith in the Lord strong enough to provide that? Sometimes our faith fails us, as it did Israel. Sometimes we let fears get in the way of our faith. Well, this morning, as we look at the story of the Exodus, we're going to learn that we have been powerfully delivered by Christ so that we can live as redeemed, as saved people of God. So let's consider what we've been delivered from, what we have been delivered to. And first, let's consider our deliverance from the hand of our enemy. This is what Moses writes As the Spirit of God carried him along, verse 17 of Exodus 13. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them along the road to the land of the Philistines. And even though that was uh, nearby, for God said... The people will change their minds and return to Egypt if they face war. So he led the people around the Red Sea, along the road of the wilderness, and the Israelites left the land of Egypt in battle formation. It was the night of the 10th plague, the Passover night, that you just heard from Hebrews 11 when God sent his destroyer, this angel of death, throughout the land of Egypt to to finally prove that God is more powerful than Satan or, or, or Pharaoh, that, that the seed of Pharaoh, his offspring, was not greater than the seed of, of Eve, whom God had made a covenant promise with. And, and so there was this Tremendous amount of wailing and weeping because the firstborn sons and all the firstborn of the livestock in Egypt had been killed. And then Pharaoh, he commanded Moses to go with all of the nation of Israel, well over a million of them, with their livestock and the wealth that they had collected, and just leave. And Moses then, he did so. He, he led the children of Israel, you know, out of Egypt. Now, the goal ultimately is to get Israel to Canaan, right? That's the land that they had been promised that is the land where they would have a people and possessions and the Lord's protection and his promised preservation. That is where they needed to go. And the quickest way to get from Egypt to Canaan was by a road that was already established that would have just led them north and, and a little bit east. But the problem is that road went through the land of the Philistines. And if you know anything about the Philistines, they uh, have always been in opposition with the Israelites from then, even to this day, the modern day. Palestinians who live in the Gaza Strip are never going to get along with, uh, with the people of Israel. And, and God was just concerned that if they just went down the easy path and, and they had to make their way through the Philistines, that there would have been war and they weren't prepared for war and they might have just failed in their faith and turned around and, and, and went back to Egypt. And so God diverted them To a much more treacherous, much more difficult path to get to the Promised Land, he sent them across a massive sea, down into the Sinai Peninsula, through the wilderness, and through the desert, through the swamps, and and through the sand, to eventually where they would find them place at a mountain where God would meet them, which terrified them, and give give them the law, and then ask them to go into the Promised Land, which they refused. (laughs) And this is the story. And and yet, it was so important for, for all of that to take place because God knew what his people needed. And so, through the wilderness, they had to travel. Moses, verse 19, took the bones... Of Joseph with him because um, Joseph had made the Israelites swear a solemn oath saying, God will certainly come to your aid. Then you must take my bones with you from this place. So now, here's Israel, 12 tribes lined up, military fashion, marching towards the Red Sea. Moses leading the way. He's got a staff in one hand, and in his other hand, he's got a bag of bones the bones of Joseph, who over 400 years ago had allowed for Jacob and his family of 120 people enter into Egypt, giving him the best of the land in Goshen under Pharaoh's blessings prior to their enslavement. But if you recall, in the last two verses of the book of Genesis, Joseph says, now there'll be a day when you have to leave this place, and when you do, take my bones. I want to be buried with my great granddaddy Abraham and my grandpa Isaac and my father Jacob, who is Israel. I want to be buried with them in the land that's been promised to us. And so Moses then was leading Israel away and, and I just can only imagine what he was thinking with, with the bones of Joseph that he was carrying. And what a tremendous chapter in Israel's history was ending here on this night. If open door, if you ever move from this place, take my bones with you. I'm I'm asking you that. Um, All of this was necessary. Out of Egypt, out of Egypt, God's chosen son had to leave, you see. Joseph was. A chosen son who had to get out of Egypt, and then one day uh, because escaping from from uh, Herod, uh, Mary and Joseph would take the child Jesus to Egypt, but then they had to leave out of Egypt you see i 've called my son Hosea 11 Matthew two verse 20 they They set out from Sukkoth and encamped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. They're there now. They make their way, you see, finally to the shores of the Red Sea in the wilderness. In verse 21... Some precedent is being set here that will continue. The Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to lead them on their way during the day and in a pillar of fire to give them light at night so they could travel either by day or night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night never left its place in front of the people. And so actually it wasn't Moses leading the Israelites out of Egypt. Was it? Who was it? It was the Lord who was leading them out of Egypt. By his strong hand, he was leading them out of Egypt. It was the Lord who who is the creator of the universe, who the Lord, who who, who reigned in the realms of heavenly places, who decided to make his glory known down on earth. And so through this cloud of glory by day, this Shekinah glory uh, by fire at night, the Lord rests on earth with his people. He he drew near to them, and His power and His glory was revealed to them, and He led them. He led them through difficult places. The great I Am revealed Himself, and He just simply wanted Israel to follow them down this difficult path. I, I remember when my kids were small, we were living in the foothills of uh, the Appalachian Mountains in Virginia, and we loved to go up and, uh, and, and hike on the mountains. And at times, you know, we would have to go through some fairly difficult paths as we were on the mountainside and we were near some cliffs. And, and I could clearly remember saying to my kids, now you follow me, right? You, you put your feet where I put my feet because it's dangerous, on the other side of this path. And, and they had to trust their dad as, uh, as he led them. And so often as Christians, you, 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 here, here's what you want to do. You, you want the easy path, but you don't. You want to say, it's easier if we just go through the land of the Philistines. Why don't we go that way? But you really don't. You don't know what you'll face there. And the Lord is directing your path in a, in a different way, and, and you're resistant to following You're just resistant. And you forget the fact that that the Lord is your good shepherd and that he promises to lead you along the right paths for his namesake, not yours. Psalm 23. He leads you down the paths for his namesake. And at times, my friends, he'll take you right through the valley of the shadow of death. And he asks you not to fear evil. Because he's with you. He's there with you. He leads you. He does it by his spirit. He does it through his word, but he promises to lead you. He promises that his truth, his word would be a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. It shows you the way, Psalm 119, 105. And and sometimes, if, if you remember the teachings of Jesus, he said... I don't want you to take the easy path. I don't want you to take the wide path that leads to destruction. I want you to go down the narrow way. So you must go. You must go. If you've been asked to traverse down a pathway where you experience despair, you must go. If you have been stricken with illness and and the Lord wants you to go down that path where your body is failing. You must go. If you are struggling in in your relationships and, 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 and you are feeling fearful because you're not quite sure of the future, you must go. And sometimes it's the Lord who wants you to go down through the wilderness, down that difficult pathway. Friends, what other choice do you have? But he promises to lead you. He never promises it for it to be easy, but He promises to lead you. When I was a kid growing up in church, and we sung so many great hymns, and one of them was a hymn that just simply says, "He leadeth me, He leadeth me." Oh, blessed thoughts. Oh, words with heavenly comfort fraught, whatever I do and wherever I be, still it is Christ's hand that leadeth me. And sometimes amid seams of darkest gloom, sometimes where Eden's bowers bloom, whether it, right, it's, it's really great and, and good and glorious or just really difficult and gloomy, Lord, I would clasp thy hand in mine. I'll never murmur. I won't repine. Content. With whatever lot I see, knowing it is thou that leadest me. And that's what the Lord wants to do. And He He led Israel through the wilderness to encamp themselves there at the shores of the Red Sea. They didn't know what God was up to because they didn't understand his will. But one of the things that God was doing is that he was finally going to get the best of Pharaoh. He was finally going to defeat Pharaoh who still had a massive army. And and the Lord knew that that if if Pharaoh thought, "Uh uh-oh, Israel went the wrong way, now they're trapped at the sea, I'm just gonna go with my army and overtake them. And the Lord said, I'm gonna gonna harden Pharaoh, Pharaoh's heart so that he will go after my people. I will ultimately prove myself greater than Pharaoh. And sure enough, verse 5 of chapter 14, when the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about the people and said, what have we done? We have released Israel from serving us. Can you imagine? Now Pharaoh wakes up And he he realizes, we just lost our workforce. We just lost a million slaves. These are the the people who served us. How am I going to build my pyramids? Who's going to build my tomb? What have I done? So he got his chariot ready and he took his troops with him. He took 600 of the best chariots and all the rest of the chariots of Egypt with officers in each one. And the Lord, know what what a sovereign God is doing here. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the Israelites who he felt were going out from him defiantly. (laughs) Sure enough even after 10 plagues, he just lost his son. Oh, the hardness of a heart, and what it can do. And, and he, with a hard heart, he took his army, and he said, you go get my slaves. Go bring back these slaves of mine. And then he gathered his, his mo- the most advanced military technology of the day, these, these military chariots with these officers, and he said, you go get them. Mm. Sort of like the, the, the chariot was like the ancient F-22 Raptor that we saw yesterday pop a balloon over South Carolina. Yeah, it took that. <laughs> Although I was very envious. I, I wish I could have flown that plane. I mean, can you imagine... You can imagine the top fighter pilots in the world there in Langley, Virginia, the top gun guys, and the commander says, I need someone to go pop a balloon. <laughs> Any volunteers in there are like, I'll do it. <laughs> you know, I've been waiting to do something like this my whole life. <laughs> hmm. It was Satan through Pharaoh that wanted to go recollect God's people and make them slaves. That's always what Satan wants to do. He wants you in slavery. He wants you in slavery. He does not want you to understand how greatly you've been delivered. He does not want you to appreciate what's going on in this passage of Scripture. He wants you to be a slave He wants you to return to it. He does not want you to enter Canaan. He does not want you to experience redemption. But listen, friends, once you have tasted redemption, there must not be any going back, amen? Why would you go back? Having tasted salvation? Paul said in his letter to the church at Rome, the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from sin and death. Uh, there was no going back. Verse 10, chapter 14. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and um, there were Egyptians coming after them. Now, let's be fair, that would have been a terrifying scene. I mean, all you've known your whole life is slavery. All your father and grandfather and great grandfather that's all, all you've ever known is we're slaves. Pharaoh's king, he's Lord his army is superior, we're doomed. We're doomed. That's what they would have thought. And the Israelites were terrified, and they cried out to the Lord for help. And they said to Moses, this will be uh, the first of many, 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 many complaints that the redeemed people utter to their Lord. Not, Not the unredeemed people, the redeemed people, what they utter to the Lord. May that be a warning to us. And they said, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you done this to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Isn't this what we told you in Egypt? Leave us alone so that we may serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Their faith failed them. Their faith failed them. 400 years of oppression had gotten the best of them. There was still too much Egypt in them. Too much. Too much. Too much of the world in them. And they saw Pharaoh as being superior to Yahweh's strength, and they lacked faith. They didn't consider the Lord's promise that he would protect them and that he would lead them. Reminds us of what Jesus said to us. Mark chapter 5. He said to his disciples, Do not be afraid. Believe in me. Believe in my words. Do not be afraid. And yet, we fail there, don't we? We let fear get the best of us. Even though Jesus told us not to, we still do. But in verse 13, now Moses, this is the man, and this is his appointed hour. And now we finally see Moses being this this prophetic mediator, the man that God needed him to be. And he said to the people, don't be afraid. Stand firm and see the Lord's salvation that he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord is will fight for you, just remain quiet and watch. I got that verse underlined. The Lord will fight for you, you just remain quiet. You just watch. Moses now becomes the shepherd of God's people that they need in this hour he confesses his faith to God and he tells them not to be afraid. He says, let God prove who he is. Later on, it'd be a little shepherd boy who does this. When faced with a giant and everybody else was afraid, he says, this is not our battle. This is the Lord's battle. Take care of this. You just watch what the Lord will do. No, it was... God's will that, that Israel be delivered that evening. As we learn from our study in Galatians, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. <laughs> we just watch it happen. God does all the work. Christ has done everything for us. Stand firm, Paul says, and don't submit again to the yoke of slavery. And for Israel, Moses said, we're not going back. We're not placing our heads, our heads back in the yoke of Pharaoh's slavery anymore. Now we belong to the Lord. So the Lord speaks to uh, Moses in verse 15. He says, all right, what are you doing? This is time for action here. Why are you crying out to me? He says, you tell the Israelites to break camp, and here's what I need for you to do. I need for you to lift up your staff, you spread your hand across this Red Sea, and you divide it and make sure the ground's dry enough for this entire nation to walk through. Okay, you do that, and I'll take care of Pharaoh. And Moses would have been thinking, uh, sure, I got that Is right. <laughs> what he says. He says, stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. He's telling Moses to do this so that the Israelites can go through it on the dry ground. As for me, he says, I got business with Pharaoh. I'm going to harden the hearts of the Egyptians so they will go in after them And I will receive glory by means of Pharaoh, all of his army, and his chariots and and horsemen. What's he saying here? I'm going to receive glory when I destroy them, when I kill them. Now, that's my God. I don't know if that's your God, but that's my God. My God is a warrior. My God takes glory when he defeats his enemy. I want that to be your God. That's my God. The Egyptians then will know that I'm the Lord. What are you talking about? Yes, when I destroy them, then they will know that I am. Remember that phrase, I am? And, And I don't know if you realize this, but In Exodus and Leviticus, we see that statement over and over. We don't see it much in the rest of the Bible, but here at the beginning of Israel's redemption, he says to them, it is me, the I am. I'm the Lord. Remember that. And so God is declaring their salvation. And and just as the Lord told Moses, Moses takes his staff and takes his arm and waves over the Red Sea. And all of a sudden, the sea splits in two. And and, in the Lord, as he promised, he he goes and, and he actually removes his cloud of glory from in front of Israel and he puts it behind them to interrupt Pharaoh. So Pharaoh can't continue to attack. And so Moses stretches his hand, verse 21, over the sea. The Lord drove the sea back with a powerful east wind all that night and turned the sea into dry land so that the waters were divided. And the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with the waters like a wall to them on the right and on the left. And yes, I wish I was there. Can you imagine? Giant water walls being held back. What were the what were the sea creatures thinking as they were watching all these Israelites walk across their territory on dry ground? And yet Pharaoh, all he wanted to do was destroy them as God was delivering his people. In the morning, Pharaoh saw the Israelites crossing the sea and so he orders his chariots to pursue an attack. But what the Lord does is the same thing that the Lord willed to do to my car recently, and, uh, and, and he threw the balance off of the wheels. And, and so you know, the chariots were out of balance, and they, they couldn't drive them. They were just crashing into each other. It was just a disaster for this mighty army. And, uh, and, the, and interestingly enough, the officers of Pharaoh were pleading with Pharaoh to retreat, go back to Egypt. But Pharaoh was so hard-hearted, he made them continue on. And then if you remember the story... Once all the Israelites passed through safely and were delivered, then he tells Moses, now take your hand and just reach out to the sea one more time, and um, all of these huge walls of water will just come crashing in over Pharaoh's army and destroy it, and that's exactly what happened. At daybreak, the sea buried them. The entire army drowned in the sea. No survivors. The only survivors were the Israelites who simply walked safely on dry ground across the sea. Verse 30 That day, the Lord saved Israel from the power of the Egyptians. You should underline that. The Lord saved his people from the power of their enemy. That's very important. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. And when Israel saw the great power that the Lord had used against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and believed in him and in his servant Moses. And I wish I could tell you that that belief continued, but it would not. The belief of the nation of Israel was fading and eventually it would fail. The old covenant wasn't strong enough to fully redeem the people. There needed to be a better covenant and someone better than Moses who would mediate that covenant. And that's why we sit here today, amen? Amen. That's why we're here. We look at this story, and we recognize that, yes, at times it it is the Lord's will for us to go through the wilderness to go down a difficult path but, but we also are reminded that there is deliverance for the faithful one that there is freedom from our bondage if we will simply trust and obey if if the question is can god rescue israel of course he can then can God rescue you? Of course he can. But but what is it that you need to be rescued from? I mean, maybe you're losing the battle of sin right now. Maybe sin is stronger in your life right now. God can rescue you from that. Maybe fear is winning the battle in your heart right now. Maybe you've got more fear than faith right now. God can rescue you from that. Maybe you've got doubt. Maybe you're in despair. God can rescue you. You don't have to understand why he's placed you in the circumstances he's placed you in. That's not for you to know. It's for God to know. It's for God to know. What you need to do is just remain faithful and obedient and call upon him. Trust in his word. Seek his spirit for help. Let me say something to you. The will of God is going to be done whether you agree with it or not. The will of God is going to be done whether you submit to it or not. The will of God is the most powerful force in the universe. Well, you say amen, and I'm glad. But that means you have to submit to it. You have to submit to the will of God. You may not like your circumstances. You may not like the trials. That's fine, but you still have to submit. The Lord's will be done, period. He's God, you're not. He knows best, you don't. Let him lead you. Let him lead you. And if if you have any doubt that he will lead you well, look to the exodus, but more importantly, you look to the cross. Let him lead you. Now, Israel has experienced great deliverance. So what does Israel do? They party. They break out in song and dance and tambourines and the women are singing and, and all of Israel sings. And, and listen, having been saved, what else should they do but sing? And, 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 and basically, Exodus 15 is, is the great hymn of the Old Testament. It is the song of their salvation. And we should just spend a few minutes just to enjoy it. Because every time we gather on Sunday morning, we sing about our salvation. We did it today. Our God saves. We learned a new song. It's it's wonderful. Our God saves. That's what we should sing over and over and over and over again. And Hey, look, I love you all. Some of you don't sing. I don't understand it. You don't have to have a good voice. You could have a horrible voice. That doesn't matter. If you've been delivered, why don't you sing why don't you sing? Maybe you don't understand that you've been delivered or how greatly you've been delivered. These Israelites, they, 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 they sang a song to the Lord. They said, I will sing to the Lord for he is highly exalted. They now knew who the I am was and they, they recognized his power. He says, he has thrown the horse and its rider into the sea. The Lord is my strength. He is my song. He has become my salvation. I love that. This is my God, and I will praise him. This is my father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. What a hymn. For Israel the exodus is the most important event in all of their history. You ask any faithful Jewish person today, what is the most important event in your history? And they'll say the exodus. Now, if you ask a Christian, what is the most important event in your history? What will you say? It is the cross. Friends, we must sing about the cross. We got to sing about it where we were delivered. That's where we were rescued. That's where we were saved. Yes, for us, the church, the cross is our most important event. Just as Israel sang in thanksgiving for their deliverance, so we too as the church, we gather weekly to sing to the Lord of our deliverance. We sing to the great I Am. We sing to the God who saves we sing to the Lord who, who is our strength. And, and, and we're grateful because, uh, because we've had people, it might have been parents, uh, it might have been grandparents, it might have been a dear friend who passed on the faith to us, just as Israel says, we praise you for our fathers, being our father's God. And so we thank God that at some point, our parents or our grandparents or a dear, a dear friend showed us the way, and we sing about it. We sing that the Lord is a warrior, amen? Amen. That's my God. He defeats and kills when necessary. That may not be your God. If it isn't, I'm, I'm worried about you. But that's my God. That's my God. And I want to sing about him. I want to praise him. The Israelites said, verse 11, Lord, who is like you among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, revered with praises, performing wonders? You stretch out your right hand and the earth swallow them up. With your faithful love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. I love that. Let me say that again. With your faithful love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. You will guide them to your holy dwelling with your strength. He's going to lead you. Maybe not down the path you want. That doesn't matter. His will be done. He'll lead you. He'll lead you. Because listen, if you will submit to his leadership, he'll lead you all the way to heaven. He will lead you all the way to heaven. And we get a glimpse of that Uh, here in verse 17 and 18. As Israel is singing, they they begin singing, you're going to take us to our promised land. You're going to take us to that mountain where we will meet you. You're going to take us to the place where you will bless us. You will bring them in and plant them on the mountain of your possession. Lord, you have prepared the place for your dwelling. Lord, your hands have established the sanctuary. The Lord will reign forever and ever. And Jesus said to his disciples, I'm going to go and prepare that place for you. I'm going to prepare the place for you. And just as Israel had to to face the mountain of Sinai, our Lord had to face the hill of Calvary. He led us there so that we would watch. We would watch him deliver us. Amen? And he did. And so we we worship a Christ who has defeated Satan. The Lord defeated Pharaoh in the exodus. On the cross, Christ defeats our adversary. He wins. And he's buried and he rises from the dead, proving his victory over sin and death. And one day he's going to come back. And he's going to lead us to heaven. He's going to take us there. And here's... Here's something I found. I want to show you this. When we get to heaven, we're going to sing two songs. We're going to sing the song of Moses, the very one we just read. And we're going to sing the song of the Lamb, the greater Moses. Revelation and 15. I also, something like a, a sea of glass. So put in your mind the Israelites who just crossed the Red Sea. They've been delivered and saved. And now, and now here's this vision in heaven. I, I saw something like a, a sea of glass mixed with fires. The glory of God, the radiance of God is being represented. And, and, and those who had won the victory... Over the beast, its image and the number of its name—that's that's you, by the way. If you're redeemed, that's you. And, and they were standing on the sea of glass with harps. All right, so I know that may not be your favorite instrument. Put it in context. You're going to get ready. This is—you put an electric guitar in your hand if you want it. That helps you with this verse because you're about to sing in heaven. And here's what's interesting. They sang the song of God's servant who? Yes. The great event for Israel and their deliverance. They sang the song. But they also sang the song of who? The song of the Lamb. Yes. And this is what we'll sing. Great. Great. And awe-inspiring are your works, Lord, God, the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, King of the nations. And I can't wait to sing that with you in heaven. I can't wait. And, and, and until that time, we still got work to do. But friends, we cannot forget today, tomorrow, this week, how powerfully we have been delivered by Christ. You have been saved to live out your salvation. Remember what you were delivered from, but remember what you were delivered to. to. Let's be faithful. Not let despair or depression or fear get the best of us. We are the redeemed people of God. Which is why we gather and why we can say is the hymn tells us. And when my task on earth is done, when by thy grace the victory's won, even death's cold white wave I will not flee since thou in triumph leadest me. He leads me. He leads me. By his own hand, he leadeth me, and His faithful follower I would be, for by His hand He leadeth me. Father, we, we desire that. And then even now, we recommit ourselves to You that whatever the path may be, we know You're leading. We're committing to follow. Follow without grumbling. Follow without fearing. We we follow, we follow because we trust. We follow because we know your power. We follow because we know eventually this path will lead us to the glory of heaven because of our Savior and all that he's done for us. Father, if there's someone here today and after hearing this great story of deliverance and they have yet to place their saving faith in Jesus and Jesus alone for salvation, I pray they would do it right now please father save them may they cry out knowing they're a sinner and repenting from their sin and placing faith in jesus alone the only one who can deliver us from hell father may you save them that we may walk the path with them all the way to glory we pray this in jesus name amen now you get to make application of this message by singing let's stand